you have to be so disciplined. I totally agree. Like that self-discipline, managing your own time, like that is huge. You're never going to succeed if you can't manage your own time. But I think I hear a lot of what you're saying. I feel like I could relate a lot to as well as you have to really want to do it. And I think that definitely comes back to there are people, right, who know they want to work for themselves and they typically know early and especially people who work really hard and, and they're really driven. They don't want anyone else to control their own destiny. They want to be able to do that for themselves. And I think that's how you know that you'll be all right if you go out on your own. <laughs> a little reassurance you kind of know inside you're going to make it work. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey, everyone. It's the Wolf. Today in the show, we have Lauren Rampello, the founder and CEO of a new emerging beauty franchise called Pure Glow. This was a fun conversation for me. Because as someone who is not the core customer for a tanning salon, this was an excuse for me to learn all about the industry. And what I found turned out to be fascinating. Here's just one data point to give you an idea of our conversation. The equipment being used by legacy tanning franchises is technology that hasn't been updated in over 50 years and utilizes harmful UV radiation. Lauren's new concept, Pure Glow, on the other hand, is UV-free and is disrupting the beauty industry with a healthy way to look your best. If you're interested in learning about a disruptive business model and a new franchise that appears to have some good early economics, listen in. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Want to own a business that brings out the childlike wonder in all? Wonderly Lights is an outdoor lighting company looking for eager franchise owners to brighten communities across the U.S. With the flexibility to be a seasonal or year-round business and a low investment cost, this is an incredible, easy-to-learn, and easy-to-scale opportunity you won't want to miss out on. Go to wonderlyfranchise.com to find out more about becoming an owner. That's wonderlyfranchise.com for more info. I think, honestly, Lauren, a good place to start is just like, if someone asked you what was the start of the Pure Glow journey, where would you begin? I think I would begin to the place where I really started thinking seriously about this as a business. So it kind of goes back. I was living in Southern California after I graduated school, kind of working my sort of dream job at the time. And a good friend of mine kind of always had these like really natural looking tans and She's a great person, a great friend of mine, but she was not a hiker. She was not an active person. She was not really an outdoors person. And and so I'd say to her, like, where are these great tans coming from? And she had kind of turned me on to the, this airbrush tanning that she was doing more frequently. Now, I'm someone who's, you know, self-tanned my whole life. I was very familiar with sort of at-home products, a little bit familiar with spray tanning. And I was really shocked because real kind of believable looking results were not commonplace. And so it kind of led me to kind of just dig a little bit more and really kind of what I found out at that point was that 
you know, these sort of active ingredients that really allow you to get that semi-permanent color. The innovation kind of on the cosmetic chemistry side can come so far. And you really are able to get these believable looking results. And you don't necessarily have to use, you know, sort of crappy, bad for your skin, unsafe ingredients. So once I started digging a little bit more, I was pretty jazzed about, you know, kind of the innovation coming through. And then learning that you can really harness these sort of like natural, safe, really nourishing ingredients. It doesn't have to be full of sort of risky, synthetic sort of yeah. stuff. Like we kind of think about this mess market. And interesting. So wait, what? Co- I know you went to school in Northeastern. I think you graduated 2010. So you moved out to like San Diego area or Southern California um, right after that. So I was a finance major. So right out of school, I was really kind of excited and energized to work with, you know, independent financial advisors. And so I ended up working for MetLife. And my role there was really to help kind of, we had this very specific sort of wealth management product with an insurance wrapper and really to kind of helping these independent advisors find solutions for, you know, various customer needs. So there ended up kind of being a really great opportunity out in Southern California where I had had my eye on, you know, quite a bit already. I'm a big football fan. I, I really was looking to get into one of those great schools <laughs> out in Southern California with all the sunshine and, you know, being from Boston, there's so many great schools around here. My family was like, you are not leaving here. You're sticking around. So the moment I graduated, I beelined it to Southern California <laughs> for a great job in finance. Nice. And so you said you had a friend, though, who like had this natural looking tan. So it's around, I guess, like, you know, a few years after college. Where did she get that tan from? Was it just like kind of a local thing in the San Diego area that was already kind of ahead of the curve? So very much unlike the East Coast, in Southern California, airbrush tanning is, it feels as if it's on every corner. It is so omnipresent compared to sort of East Coast, Boston, Massachusetts. But what's amazing about that is, you know, when you kind of think about an area that's already saturated, that innovation within in the industry is still fairly hard to find. So she was going to what I, you know, kind of assumed to be a professional airbrush studio that really was doing it well and doing it right and using a product that was really more modern. And I'm really creating this sort of believable looking glow that we all crave. I feel like Southern California just seems to be ahead of, or California in general almost at, at times seems to be ahead of like the curve as far as like health and wellness trends. Like it's, I almost have this rule inside my head where it's like, California is doing something like if they ban some ingredient, like five years later, you can expect the rest of the country is going to be like, ah, we should probably ban that too. A hundred percent. They are very much the leader, I think, of as well, like beauty and wellness. Yeah. And, and also culturally, it's so different, right? The East Coast, everyone's very conservative. And whereas the West Coast, you know, it's definitely a different sort of appearance, a little bit more appearance driven. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Culturally, a little, a little different. Eventually, you decided to move back to the Northeast, back to the Boston area. And you opened the first Pure Glow location. So what was that? Like, let's not even get to the opening process. Just more the, I mean, you know, I know it from start going all in on the wolf. And even with Crockett, like there's this like emotional and I don't know if it's stressful. There's always that leap stage where you're like, okay, I'm going to actually do this. So like, yeah, what was just that like for you? And what ended up pushing you over the edge, so to speak, to like, be like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going back to Boston and we're going to build, try to build a business around this kind of innovation. That's a really good question. <laughs> I think my answer might surprise you a little bit. This okay. is a good little, good little story here. So ultimately, like many first-time founders, I was initially Pure Glow was very much a side hustle. I'm, I'm really one of those people like I don't do anything unless it's like I'm 100, 110% in. So I was learning a ton about ingredients. I was learning a ton about 
formulating specifically, you know, starting a business, brick and mortar, so many things like how do I want to create this employment? How do I want to modernize the industry? What am I really passionate about? And how do I sort of build this business around it? So there was a lot of time and effort and sort of my own personal resources that went into launching Pure Glow before we had a brick and mortar space, right? But I had been, I've been making a lot of progress. I want to say maybe this it was like six or eight months in. And I moved back to Boston. And believe it or not, the reason that I actually moved back to Boston initially was I was planning to open a fitness franchise. And, you know, ultimately I was pretty far along with them. They had given me the okay to open XYZ and they were growing really fast. And at this point in time, like their executive team was changing and whatnot. And ultimately, you know, I had some important questions that the e-board was really struggling to answer. And so I became nervous and I said, you know what, I'm going to walk away from that. So kind of that is really what led me to really start kind of doubling down and, and thinking more seriously and, and kind of what became the beginning of Pure Glow. At the time, I was working for a kind of small startup in tech, just buying my time you know, okay. until I was kind of ready to do something full time and actually got into a little bit of a skirmish with the uh, one of the co-founders. Oh, wow. It was a super small team. Yeah. The sales team was two people, myself and, and another guy. And we had our goals and it was time to pay up, right? In a sales role, you have a really meager base. And then your upside is with, you know, you have to really earn that upside. And I earned the upside and they didn't want to pay. And I was shocked. I mean, both my parents are business owners and I could not imagine that, you know, when someone is working so hard for you and taking a leap of faith, it's time to pay them what they've earned and they didn't want to. So I took them to small claims court. And one. And on the day that I got that sort of put that past me, I made a decision and I just said, you know what, I this is really risky. This feels really hard to walk away from, you know, kind of regular income. But, you know, this is time. Like I'm gonna make the leap and see how I do. I'll give myself a certain period of time. If you know, if I don't succeed, then I'll go back to kind of the corporate side of things. But it really kind of gave me that push that otherwise I, I wouldn't have it anticipated. Yeah. Holy crap. There's usually a variety of push or pull forces, I think, that lead to someone going for it. And it sounds like for you, though, it's just a big push from that scenario. I mean, wow, that's not cool to say the least that someone just blatantly disregarded a contract. So moving beyond that, I guess, I mean, well, you said your parents are business owners. What are they uh, like small business or are they kind of in the tech world or what's what's the yeah, story there? Yeah. So they're both, you know, I definitely kind of consider small business. So my dad is a doctor and surgeon by trade. My mom is a nurse. They met in the hospital. But after a few years of nursing, believe it or not, it's kind of a long story. I won't get into why they did this, but they ended up opening a fine jewelry business. And their plan was not for them to run it, but someone else in the family to run it. Sure. And ultimately it fell into their lap. They ended up running this fine jewelry business for about 25 years, had a lot of success, learned a lot, a lot of wins. But I very much, you know, and all of my siblings, including, grew up in this environment where, you I mean, you saw your parents independently and together working their butts off. We would help them late into the night for it being retail, like holiday season with putting labels on marketing flyers to like wee hours in the morning and just them always being on and caring so much about their employees and their employees' problems and issues were their problems and issues. And they set such an incredible example for how to treat people and really sort of the responsibilities on being a leader and being an owner that I, w- I will say definitely learned a tremendous amount from them. But still, it's, you know, I definitely took taken a different approach with Pure Glow. 
but it really is a great foundation and, you know, great to have been able to see some of that. I think that certainly has shaped a lot of who I am in just, um, you know, exposure to kind of what's possible. I think that's a key thing to kind of note is that mindset difference that probably you have, just given that your parents were entrepreneurial. That's funny. I have uh, three siblings, two parents. I am the only one who is not a CPA. They all kind of went a very similar path and not I'm not knocking that path at all. But it's just there was moments early on for me where like I knew I wanted to do like startups and entrepreneurial stuff. I was just like the idea of just working a job to your 65. I was like, that is just depressing. (laughs) I would rather go broke than just like kind of sign up for that life. Anyway, just it took a few years to kind of break out of the mindset that like was just naturally around me because of the way like my family had operated and, and a lot of my friends had operated. And then once you kind of jump in, you're like, oh, I'm still alive. Like the world still exists. Oh, like, okay, like I can do this. I can handle this. Yeah, it's a big thing, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs early on. So moving into like opening that first location, what was that process? Did you kind of like, obviously, as we just said, you have your parents kind of as a great support network there, but the branding, finding a site, construction and, and all that, figuring out the layout of the first store and like marketing. Is that all you handling that? Did you have an early team to support? What was that like? Yeah. I mean, I think like most founders and entrepreneurs, it was absolutely all me. And and it really, even up until recently, I mean, I've always had fabulous vendors that have, have been so supportive over the years, but you do everything. You teach yourself how to do everything. And then you, you know, you leverage resources to help you get through, especially when you're a little more resource constrained. So until recently, the business Pure has been entirely bootstrapped. So you have to really be scrappy and resourceful and, and all of that. So in terms of things like branding, marketing, very much self-taught since the beginning, the way that they kind of approached starting the business because I wasn't really starting out with this specific capital, I really kind of started with what I consider like feasibility analysis. So I had learned a lot. I had, you know, was able to work with researchers in Boston, Harvard Public Health, and different people with scientific chemistry related backgrounds that were able to sort of help them validate a lot of the things that I was sort of self-teaching when it comes to ingredients and and formulation and and getting things started and and safety. But, you know, really along the way, it's it's so much of you just teach yourself and and getting to learn what you don't know. We started on the road as this concierge model, which really enabled me to not have that tremendous overhead while I was proving out sort of the product, the concept, the way of doing things is this kind of idea that I had that there's this huge gap in the market and I really want to fill that. And that's sort of better ingredients, better service and elevated service and really overall better results. And so once I was doing concierge with a small team for, you know, better part of a, you really the first few months, it became really obvious that brick and mortar was the next step. And as soon as we could get into that, the better. Okay. And then really that first space, I mean, it took us almost nine months to find that first space. So these sorts of things, you might be able to, that's the next step, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be in a space, you know, as soon as possible. So yeah, really, you know, just a lot of learning as you go. I mean, I'm always learning as I'm sure you, you feel right. Like getting started with anything, there's no sort of playbook or or roadmap and you kind of do it yourself. Yeah, you do just have to really be like constantly self-evaluating is kind of what I feel like I'm doing all the time where it's like, okay, like that conversation didn't go that well. (laughs) Hey, what did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? Or, all right, I did this, I made this move with the business or some strategy. And it's like, 
uh, it's working great. It's okay. And then you develop a gut sense of like, all right, I kind of know what's working. Like, let's double down, let's triple down on that. And it's almost like this game of like building blocks. You can have, you have so, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have so many ideas, but it's just which one do you do right now? And then when are you ready to do the next one? And which step is that next step? Like you got to pick the right blocks. You have to be so disciplined. I totally agree. Like that self-discipline, managing your own time, like that is huge. You're never going to succeed if you can't manage your own time. But I think I hear a lot of what you're saying. I feel like I could relate a lot to as well as you have to really want to do it. And I think that definitely comes back to there are people, right, who know they want to work for themselves and they typically know early. And especially people who work really hard and, and they're really driven, they don't want anyone else to control their own destiny. They want to be able to do that for themselves. And I think that's how you know that you'll be all right if you go out on your own. <laughs> A little reassurance, you kind of know inside you're going to make it work. Yeah, exactly. And I am curious, I, you said you started with the concierge model, so... Does that mean you were just kind of like going to like houses and able to do like 1v1, like kind of boutique tanning sessions for clients? A hundred percent. Wait, I learned so much about that. So first of all, if you know Boston at all, Boston is a maze. Yes, (laughs) yes. hard to get around. New York City's a grid. I love it. And then you go to Boston and it's like, I think I'm pretty sure. Tell me if I'm wrong, and maybe you don't know, but I heard, because I still have friends in Boston, from the colonial era, where they had like horse and buggies, they just kind of like tracks formed based on the wheels, and they just followed the dirt tracks, and they built the city around that. So it's just like a maze, like you said, but it makes no sense. It is chaos. It is absolute chaos. Even with GPS, if you go to the worst part of the city is, is really financial district, and I mean, it is so difficult to follow a map and to get around if you don't know the area well. But it is true. It, it truly is. The whole city is not laid out in an organized manner. And and then, you know, you have traffic and you have parking difficulties. So I really earned kind of my data at that point and that, you know, proof of concept. I mean, we, it was, it was really something else. But boy, you really get what really was beautiful and so productive about that process was you really were able to get this dedicated one-on-one time with people. And I really took that time to ask the hard questions and really listen. And so, you know, really since the very beginning, so many kind of major business decisions that I've made and pivots or tweaks have really been a direct result of requests or needs from our clients, right? I mean, they are the best source. So I, you know, was really just doing a tremendous amount of sort of like informational gathering when I was, you know, kind of in that kind of concierge um, point in the business early on. And it really informed a lot of like what would become the foundation and still is the foundation of, of Pure Glow today. How long was it before you like t- hired your first employee given, I think, founded by 2014? Yeah, yeah. So we incorporated in 2015. But I mean, really, the, the bulk of 2014 was sort of all the back work to prepare us to actually begin to, you know, put a name to what I was doing and, and, and actually invite clients into to begin to see them. And so I want to say it was probably like just at the end of Q1 of 2015, I hired my first couple employees and really went from there. Um, and then I think it was probably right around then that I started looking for a brick and mortar space. And then we didn't actually get into our first brick and mortar space until I want to say the fall of that year, I think around this time, October. Look, franchising might sound great in theory, but once you get into the discovery process, the idea of selecting and starting any new business can feel overwhelming. That's why I'm excited to introduce a simple-to-learn, simple-to-scale franchise opportunity. Wonderly Lights is an outdoor lighting franchise making local communities a bit brighter by providing premier lighting solutions to their clients. 
and they're currently seeking franchisees to operate new locations across the U.S. With the flexibility to provide seasonal or year-round lighting services, this is a great addition to an existing portfolio or to operate as a standalone business. Plus, it's backed by the expertise and guidance of parent company, Buzz Franchise Brands. To learn more, visit wonderlyfranchise.com for more info. That's wonderlyfranchise.com. So this podcast, for whatever reason, it's the wolf branding, but uh, it's largely a male audience. So I'm going to guess a lot of listeners probably have no idea what it's like to be in a tanning salon. That's an assumption I'm making. So because I do not know, I'm also uh, no one can see me, but it's Irish skin. So very pale. I, I don't do well with tanning. Anyway, I guess I want to ask about let's call it traditional tanning. And I'm not trying to sling mud. So I'll just throw that out there. But I want to, I think it's important for listeners to understand the state of the industry and how you're kind of differentiating it. So I'm just going to pick Palm Beach tan. If I walked into there today and, you know, I got a wedding coming up, I want to look good. If I go into Palm Beach tan, what are they going to tell me to do to give myself a nice little tan for my wedding in two weeks? Yeah. So you would have an option of going into a UV booth. Sound like a phone booth? I know. Like, no, like so, am I in a phone booth, like standing up or? <laughs> so it's, it's literally a bed. Okay. So it's a UV bed. You know, they've been around for, you know, over 50 years, Ooh. the same UV rays that you get from the sun. And we know that UV exposure, ultraviolet light is a known carcinogen, right? It is a cancer causing compound. And then also when you're getting it indoors in these, you know, these UV beds, you're getting so much more exposure than you even get in the sun, right? Because it's accelerating the process of this tan, right? Yeah. You're only going to go into a bed for like four or six minutes. I think they wouldn't even let you go in for six minutes. They, I think it'd be like three or four unless you come, were coming regularly. And you are getting a tan or a burn because if depending on your skin type, you might just burn. And then you can't get that damage back. So it's really tricky that, you know, most of the country is is still tanning that way. So it's basically like pure UV that they're just delivering. The sun probably, I don't know, maybe it has other stuff in it. it they're is. just like, nah, we're just going to take the pure ultraviolet and just throw it on you intense on an intense level. Some UV, I think, what is it, like, you know, 20 minutes or something a day is good for vitamin D and yeah. things like that, which our body needs. But you're getting sort of potent exposure in that bed. Um, something like a Palm Beach tan, they may also have uh, sort of your booth spray tan, which sort of your conventional spray tan machine that has been around for a while. It's um, typically it's like an automated booth, but the type of solutions that they're using are so archaic. Like they haven't yeah. been modernized in forever. They're loaded with ingredients that we know are really questionable, not really efficacy, but what questionable sort of health repercussions. And so really, you know, the consumer is getting so much smarter. Not only do they want a better experience, but they want to make choices that really reflect their values. And and so those are things like taking better care of their skin, taking better care of their health. We know that everything is interconnected, right? Our mental health, our physical health, what we eat and how we feel, right? It's all so connected. And when you damage your skin in the way that UV rays damage your skin, you're basically like breaking down your natural protection. And when you do that, all sorts of 
other things that might be brewing your body or that you might be at risk for, you're making them more likely to kind of show their face. And life is too short. It's tough to be healthy. It's tough to eat well and, and do all the right <laughs> yeah. things and keep your stress level down. It's, it's hard to, life is hard. People are very much keen for an alternative, but, um, you know, alternative to kind of UV tanning, automated booth tanning, but one that is easy, that is hassle-free, and that really looks like the real thing. And so that's really where custom airbrush tanning is just growing like crazy. Yes, kind of I think what you were alluding to, Patrick, is we don't have a huge portion of our clientele today that are, are men or identify as men. But what I can tell you is that that is growing. We'll have sort of men come in and they might try it for a vacation or they've seen a friend and, and they're giving it a try. We've had yeah. men come in as like a gag and they're like, oh, I lost a bet. I'm coming yeah. in for this or something, something really funny or like, hey, I have this big meeting for work and I, I just, you know, I've heard that I might feel a little bit better if I get this done. And then they are hooked. They are absolutely hooked and immediately they're trying to find any reason to come back. And with our industry, you don't need a reason. You know, just kind of like your nails, your facial, your haircut, your beard trim. I mean, you just come to feel like your best self and to be put together. And so Pure Globe are really sort of putting this stake in the ground where we're kind of educating people on when and where does, you know, sunless tanning, where does airbrush tanning kind of fit into your beauty routine? And it's really cool how people try it, have no expectation, do not predict that they're going to be that jazzed, and then they're addicted. Well, just when you're talking about Palm Beach tanning, Early on, you said, it's been the same thing for like 50 years. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Something should have changed in 50 years. <laughs> like, that's a red flag immediately to me. Yeah, and again, just, I mean, I come from a long lineage of pale Irish people, so we are not friends with the sun. Skin cancer is actually like a serious, like, it's top of mind for pale people who burn easily. <laughs> so the idea of just, of subjecting yourself to it on purpose, I'm like, I mean, I want to look good as much as the next person, but damn, like I'd rather be alive than look good. And you know? it feel, yeah, it feels wild. Yeah. And, um, and what's interesting too, I feel like sometimes women can be a little bit better about staying on top of, you know, sort of beauty trends, wellness trends, like they might be seeking those things out more so than men. And so oftentimes like we know though that men are seeking tanning services, but they're very much a lot less familiar with airbrush tanning and kind of the modernization of the industry we'll get calls from men to the studio and they'll ask about about beds. We don't have the UV beds. And, you know, we try to tell them a little bit about what we're doing. And sometimes it's, it's so foreign to them that they're kind of a little shocked or they're a little bit nervous to try. But I will say that, you know, there's so much going on and the innovation is really coming to the industry. And so for anyone who's listening, you know, consider giving it a try and consider dipping your toe in. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, I want to learn more about the differences between airbrush tanning and like what we just talked about, the UV beds. Before we get to that, just bear with me, listeners. I've always been dying to understand this. How come spray tans make people look orange? That's a great, really important question. I can tell when someone has a spray tan because sometimes it's like it's just an orange skin and it's, it doesn't look natural at all. So it's like, whoa, what's something like it can be. I don't know if that's like, oh, they were spray tanning too long. But like, why does that happen? Oh, no, it is prolific. And I always swear, like, you'll never, still to this day, I can never go to a wedding without someone with an orange spray tan. And yep, I feel yep. so terrible. And of course, I want to introduce them to Pure Glow <laughs> because no one wants to look like that, right? Yeah. So really, the, the main reason that 
you can get these unnatural results is depending on the quality of the active ingredient. So there are a few different active ingredients, but there's really one primary active ingredient called dehydroxyacetone. And that is what has been used for over 50 years now in kind of large production. But the way, you know, just like any other ingredient, every sort of raw source is not going to be exactly the same. So really one of the bigger opportunities here in our industry is that the way in which you kind of refine this ingredient, it is not an organic or natural ingredient. It is a man-made synthetic ingredient. It can be naturally derived, but it is a man-made ingredient. And the, you know, the, really the way in which that is sort of processed or refined is what is going to give you either a believable looking glow or that very sort of you know conventional, you got a spray tan, um, unnatural sort of look. You've mentioned it. We've been beating around the bush here, but airbrush tanning, like, what does that mean? Like, you kind of walked us through the UV bed experience, you know? So if I walk into Pure Glow, which I had seen the, uh, the FDD, the Boston Back Bay location, fantastic numbers. So clearly people love it in Boston, but yeah, like what's the experience there and like, how is it different and all that good stuff? Yeah. So really kind of the real, um, you know, one of the kind of cornerstones to what we do is you know, the way we started is really better ingredients. And so what we did, which is very different from most sort of, um, you know, competitors out there is really what makes up the, the, you know, the solution. So we're really focusing on certified organic ingredients and all the really, really safe synthetics. And what we're doing is it's a really pure, simple solution. You just have a number of hydrators that are going to really nourish your skin. That's going to allow the tan to adhere evenly, to last long and to fade really nicely. But really when you think of the sunless tan, the airbrush tan, all it is, it's really like the union of skincare and makeup. So what we're doing is you're walking into the salon. It's a 10 minute appointment. We're going to walk you through everything. We're going to put you in almost 40 different positions. Really easy to follow. I mean, we have, we have sprayed clients who don't speak any English and we've walked them through everything and it's gone swimmingly. And you're going to feel this sort of wet solution go on. It dries almost right away. And then, you know, by the time that we're sort of done the application, so 10 minutes later, you're already dry, you dress, we tell you a little bit about what to be aware of for the next few hours. And then you kind of go on with your life, you go back to work, you go out to your errands, you look great. And then you shower five to seven hours later and you have this semi-permanent color that looks like your natural tan. And that's gonna last you about eight to 10 days. So kind of in a nutshell, that's what airbrush tanning is. It is custom applied. So it's applied by a trained expert. It's applied by hand. The whole service takes about 10 minutes and then you're going to enjoy these results for about eight days. We, of course, really a big advantage, I think, to Pure Glow is we've really reinvented the way that you experience the service. And we do that with a lot of hospitality. We're really thinking through how do we make a client who's kind of in a vulnerable position, right? They're naked. They might be, you know, have very little clothing on. How do we, they might be doing something they've never done before, you know, which is getting this service done. It's really a kind of a combination of elevated service experience and really sort of guiding somebody through and making them feel really comfortable so that the whole experience is easy, effortless, and, you know, makes them want to come back. Wow. All right. So it sounds like the ingredients are a big uh, change from kind of the traditional way. And then what even like is an airbrush? Like I'm imagining something that looks like a toothbrush, but it's like spraying stuff on me. Is that kind of it? Or am I just making that up in my head? No, I mean, we'll we'll give you some really easy metaphors. You can think of almost the way that you, um, if you're going to like power wash something or sometimes painters will use sort of a gun to apply something, it's a very similar device to that. 
Okay. I think that actually there's there might be quite a bit of crossover in with like the painting industry and like the gun technology. So it's actually quite similar to that, which is it was just kind of funny because you know I, I think that there's definitely like the industrial side of um of the of the equipment. But yeah, the equipment's fairly simple and straightforward in terms of like the modifications for different things. But yeah, it's just going to spray really, really fine. So you get this really sort of skin-like look. And so that's really one of the big biggest differences between something you can apply at home and something you can get professionally done by an expert in a salon. And it sounds like some of this stuff is just actually, is it like healthy? I'll open up to the audience a bit here. I've been stepping up my facial routine in recent Fabulous. months. Yes. So <laughs> yes. I, I've been experimenting thanks to one of my friends really. Anyway, I'll skip to the actual important stuff here, which is like all these serums of like vitamin C serum, hyaluronic acid. Yes, that's the one. You got Great it. Great for hydrating the skin. And that stuff works. It's kind of crazy. But like, is, is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? That's like, it's actually just giving you maybe in a safe way, I would imagine, but like a supercharged dose of it versus me trying to rub it into my skin once a night. A hundred percent. That's exactly it. And so a lot of times people, when they think of an airbrushed hand, they just think of that kind of immediate color. Yeah. They don't think of it like skincare. But because we're applying it head to toe on the body, because we know that the skin is, you know, sort of your largest organ, it's really great at absorbing things, right? Yeah. And because with the airbrushed hand, you have to let it kind of almost process on your skin for five to seven hours. So it's a tremendous opportunity to let the sort of vitamins and ingredients that are really nourishing in the solution to do their work. So 100%, that's exactly right. We have vitamin C, vitamin E, aloe vera, CoQ10, all these great ingredients working really hard for you as you have this on and conditioning your skin to get great results for the next five to really sort of seven to 10 days. So there's no like UV, there's, there's none of that. It's literally just healthy vitamin type stuff going into you. It's just like skincare and cosmetics. Wow. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. That's really interesting. And why do you think the rest, like, why do you think this has taken so long to to happen? Like, obviously, you're a young entrepreneur, so I'm not saying you literally. But like, you know, there, like you said, like 50 years, it's a lot like someone 20 years ago probably could have woke it up and done this, I would imagine. But anyway, yeah, like why has it taken this long, especially with how obvious it is that like UV rays are bad for you? I'll be honest, I think one of the reasons why I was so attracted to this industry is because there is and was, you know, when I started about 10 years ago, so much room for growth. And to some extent, you'd kind of look around and you're like, why are these like very traditional, well-established brands not innovating and not evolving? I do think that, you know, there are thousands of new chemicals, you know, ingredients created every single day in these labs. So I do think that to some extent, you know, it maybe took some time for innovation kind of in the cosmetic space to to happen. But in terms of really stepping up their game and creating an elevated experience and created you such a more professional experience around this airbrush chaining service, I mean, there's just a tremendous need. And that is literally what I set out to do is to make that available. I have vendors and relationships in California somewhere where airbrush chaining is not a new concept. Someone's yeah. chaining is not a new concept. They have kind of grasped on and, and, and grabbed on real, real hard. And it is amazing how I'll still talk to these vendors and they're like, there's nothing organic out by me. There might be 10 places within five blocks of me, but there's nothing organic. There's nothing that focuses on safety. There's nothing that really 
is a clean salon that really has this elevated level of hospitality and service and is really knowledgeable and has like great ventilation and can answer all my questions and is really creates an environment that I want to be there and I want to come back to. And so, you know, the opportunity is just tremendous in our space. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. And so you said that, what was it? Uh, it takes about 10 minutes, like an appointment. And the tan sets in probably seven or eight hours later. So, uh, I mean, great for the user or the customer, of course. But then even from the business perspective, I mean, you could theoretically service a lot of people every single day. And that is exactly what we do. So we see three people an hour, which is really important. Of course, we want to fill our books to some extent. It is a volume play. And But what's wonderful about that is that we actually don't need a huge number of um, a big team. So typically, we usually have anywhere from about six to eight employees. Most of those are part-time. And an average Pure Glow is going to only have about three rooms. And so that's really all we need to be able to position ourselves for a really healthy sort of uh, level of profitability on a per unit basis. And because our employees are able to see three clients an hour, our retention is through the roof because they're getting a combination of base and gratuity. The price point is really competitive for, you know, an airbrushed hand, but it's also higher than something like your waxing appointment, your hair appointment, your facial. And so as a result, they're doing really well in terms of compensated, whether they're part-time or full-time. So we attract these really dynamic associates that really enjoy the work and really stay on with us for quite a long time. So on the business side, there are a tremendous amount of advantages compared to some of these beauty concepts or wellness concepts in your kind of traditional salon setting. Okay. I mean, it's really interesting. It's pretty apparent the difference, right, between kind of the established players and then what you guys are doing. Uh, and I know you're at the start of your franchise journey. And you got a great team behind you with with Sean and what he's helped you out with. And Sean, for anyone listening, Sean Bach was, was going to be on the podcast. We're going to have a multi-guest pod, but uh, anyway, technical difficulties, but yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, you have your first franchisee already on board or coming on board soon. So I'm really excited to see kind of the growth of this brand and what you guys can do. And it sounds like it's a win-win for everyone, for customers as well, not just new franchisees. So yeah, if, if there's anywhere where people can follow along with you uh, and your brand, you know, what would the best spots be online for that? Yeah. So I think, you know, we get the quickest news out on Instagram. So at Pure Glow Tanning is a great place to start. You can find myself on LinkedIn. It's Lauren Rampello Beacott, as well as our Chief Development Officer, which is Sean Bach, also on LinkedIn. So I think those would probably be the best places to find us. Amazing. Well, uh, look, folks, we'll plug those in the show notes. And if you're looking for an innovative and uh, kind of disruptive concept in the wellness space, this could be a great brand to look into. So yeah, thanks so much for jumping on, Lauren, and um, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. 